you know, half their fans still want the pop punk of the early days. The other half love what they're doing now. And, you know, there's no reason to really stop doing that. It's really working. You're listening to It's All Dead, a podcast about the music we love and why we love it. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to It's All Dead. I'm Kyle Hawk, editor-in-chief at It's All Dead. Dot com and uh, it's a Sunday night and normally on a Sunday I'd be uh, sitting on my couch and lamenting the end of a, a, another weekend and uh, emotionally bracing myself for the Monday that awaits me but we're doing a uh, an emergency podcast tonight and the reason why um, is because an album came out um, Kyle Schultz, our senior editor up in Chicago, sent out the bat signal, and I responded. And now here we are. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you for joining me so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the Fallout Boy album, and uh, I did not expect that that would happen, but it is certainly something that we are doing right now, and, and we'll get into why. Um, we actually, so the next podcast that you were supposed to hear is being bumped until Friday. I want to give a quick bumper for that because uh, we did the uh, we handed out the hip hop title belt for the year 2017. We did that last year, had a lot of fun with it. Brock Benefield joined me last week to record that. Uh, that podcast is going to come Friday, um, but pressing issues have arisen in the form of <laughs> Fallout Boy's seventh studio album titled Mania, and it's funny, Kyle, because we well one, I mean I. I don't, I'm trying to think back of when they even announced this album was going to come out. It was sometime like last spring, maybe. I mean, it was a long time ago. Um, it got pushed back. There was all this stuff that happened. They wrote new songs for it. It finally came out last Friday. And, and leading up to it, I mean, and in the ensuing months, each time they'd kind of release another single, you would talk to me about how much you weren't into it. You're prepared to be let down. We actually did a piece uh, last week at the site talking about... Uh, Kyle, uh, another writer of ours, Nadia, and myself writing about our expectations for the album. Both of you were a little bit down on it, thinking you weren't going to like it. I was actually all in and really excited for it. The album's here. I'm not sure I've fully made up my mind, but you certainly have. You've got a review that's running on the site today, Monday, as everybody is listening to this. And I, I just want to start off with you telling me about like where you were last spring when you knew this album was coming versus where you're at this weekend. Well, I, I remember when it came out, you and I have been talking about this album for the better part of a year since it was announced in April or May, I want to say. Um, and, you know, Mania was announced with the release of the single Young and Menace. And if I'm not mistaken... My initial reaction to you was, what a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's about right. <laughs> and uh, we spent the next few months... Uh, let me rephrase that. I spent the next few months just ripping that song to shreds and just complaining. and uh, It was terrible. And uh, I believe my statement to you right around that time was, they announced the album too early. I didn't like the direction they're going. I didn't feel like they had kind of solidified the uh, direction they wanted to go with the album. And uh, especially with Young and Menace being such an out-there sound compared to literally anything else they've done, um, I really felt like it was far too early to announce an album, especially since it was coming out in September, which was another like four or five months down the road. And, uh, you know, they released a new single every couple months. And I don't know if it was just 
me being sour to Young and Menace, but I was not impressed with any of them coming out. Last of the real ones, uh, hold me closer or hold me tighter. Don't you know? Just down the line, and just over the course of months, I remember telling you uh, several times that I couldn't get into Maroon Five Light. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and right up until last week, uh, I was still listening to the singles, just kind of on their own, just. Eh, and couldn't get into it. Uh, the album dropped Thursday night. I bought a copy that evening and listened to it on my way to work uh, Friday morning. And it was the track listing I had had uh, Young and Menace's the lead, the opening track, kind of going down the line, and just I hated the album. I really did not like it. <laughs> And I got into work, and you and I were talking a little bit about it, and you were totally psyched, and I just wasn't into it. I was kind of re-listening a little bit and just didn't – really did not care for it. And then out of nowhere, there was – someone noticed that the physical release had a new track listing, and rearranging the tracks significantly changed everything. Yeah, so this is where it gets really interesting, and I kind of want to dig into what makes this so important. Before we do that, though, um, I want to talk a little bit more about kind of the, the lead-up, but I also uh, completely forgot a portion of this podcast that we've been making our, our normal thing, um, in which we talk about the, the beverage that we're partaking oh, yeah. during the conversation. <laughs> so before we dive headlong into uh, Kyle's review of... Uh, mania what are you having to drink while we discuss this and is it impacting your uh ability to comprehend this record i'm glad you said that and not speak clearly um (laughs) (laughs) i no it's not impacting that at all and i am having a uh anchor steam beer tonight oh cool i uh i'm sticking with the winter theme that i feel like we've had going for a little bit um, I'm having Leinenkugel's Snowdrift Vanilla Porter. Uh, it's been, as you know, and I've talked about, this has been, well, 2017 was the year of getting into beer for me, and this is one of uh, my favorites from the winter season that I've discovered that's been quite delightful. Um, and it's kind of fitting seeing that it's finally warm enough in Indianapolis today to start melting off some of this just ludicrous snow and ice uh, before the next round comes. So. <laughs> well, well played, little boy festive. Yeah. <laughs> So okay, let's let's work our way back into this. Uh, before we started the podcast, I was looking at some of the reviews. I usually don't read many reviews or any at all until after I've reviewed an album or I've had enough time to spend with it. You're writing the album review on this, but I was reading some before we started, and uh, many of them are not good. Um, no, and it's really interesting to see the reasons that they think that, and some of the takeaways they've had. Um, so you gave this album a, a great review, and as you talked about, the track list is what changed it for you, because as we mentioned Friday morning, I had kind of, uh, we were riding back and forth, and I, I was talking about, you know, I was kind of enjoying it. You listened to it with the new track list. What was it about rearranging the songs? Because I think just, you know, we both know, and we've talked about it before, uh, about how, you know, the the flow of an album and the track list can make, you know take a, a good collection of songs and make it a great album. What was it with this particular collection of songs that makes the physical CD track list version 
so much better to you? Uh, Kyle, I think it's nothing short of black magic. Um, <laughs> I I literally don't know. It, so the initial uh, digital track list, I want to say it's the energy, first off, because it starts with Young and Menace, and it's such a weird, slow song, and the build-up, you know, it's hard to really get into that Fall Out Boy chorus. There's not much there. It's just a weird experiment, and... Um, you know, it goes from there into Champion. I forget what comes after that, but it's, it doesn't build the way a Fall Out Boy album usually builds. It's just, it's slow. It's, uh, you know, darker. There's just, it's not a Fall Out Boy album. There's just something off. And I don't know what it was, but you couldn't, or at least for me, I couldn't get the momentum going into it. And it's just, each song, uh, it didn't really flow. Like everything, you know, it sounded like it was all written together, but it just didn't flow right. Uh, there just there wasn't an energy behind it. it. Didn't sound as cohesive as I really had expected it to. And um, you know they've been experimenting the last few years on the last few releases, and you know mixed results. Uh, and especially um, Save Rock and Roll, it sounds like there's a bunch of singles in there, and it makes for kind of a hit or miss experience going through this. And Mania, I felt like was five singles put into an album and they just kind of wrote some stuff to uh, glue those together and it just, it didn't fit right and uh, it just bothered me really badly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I don't know, I think it's clear uh, from at least the response I've seen from a lot of people that the physical CD track listing is actually a better experience of the album. What I'm wondering with all the reviews I've read, how many of those reviews were written based off of the streaming track list and how many were based off of the physical track list? Because if I had to make a guess, well, I know I read one specifically, a really bad review that mentioned that Young and Menace uh, was the first track. So no, that's really um, interesting. Yeah, I was actually just about to uh, mention that. So after I wrote my review uh, over the weekend, I actually did some looking as well. And uh, most of... Actually, I, I want to say every review I found it, none of them were great. Some were good to mixed, but I want to say 100% of the ones I saw had the initial track listing with Young and Menace as the starter. Right. Yeah. And there's no question. I mean, you know, we could talk about the song of what we don't like about it. I think a lot of people have talked about that enough to the point where we <laughs> kind of get it. Um, you know, I'm not crazy about the song. I, uh, it's clear that it's much better at track nine than track one. Like you listen to Stay Frosty, Roy Moak, till the T, the way that track starts, like it's just clearly track one. Like they wrote that yeah. meaning for it to lead off the album. So put any other way, it really doesn't make sense. No. And what's weird is listening to it with a digital track list, it doesn't strike you as a first track. It just, it's there. It, it didn't catch me off guard and then once you know you reorder it and it's the first one it has to be the first track they i don't know how i never heard it there before so something i'm interested in here if you can take yourself back to you know 2008 yeah yes. um fallout boy obviously you know was uh, coming off of infinity on high i mean there was a lot of big tracks off that um the, uh, they obviously did great with that album. It's my personal favorite of theirs. But you could feel some of the steam starting to 
come out of the band as they came into the release of Folly Ado. And if you remember, that album was pretty lukewarmly received upon it, its uh, release. And of course, after the band went on hiatus and time passed, people really warmed up to it. I wonder if there's not a parallel to draw with Mania. We've had the band back for you know several years now. We've got a couple albums out of them. They've had more hits under their belt. But again, the steam started to die down in the fact that People didn't respond well to Young and Menace when they released it last spring. They pushed back the release of the album a pretty substantial amount of time and were just kind of like sporadically releasing singles in between. You could feel some of the excitement to start to die down. Um, And then by the time we got the final product and the track list was messed up and people didn't really know how to respond to it or didn't really like the product they got, I almost wonder if this is something that over time people will look back on Um, because I think it's easy to write it off as just you know lame pop music or something but I think that you know to me it's almost more thoughtful and interesting than American Beauty American Psycho was and that is an album of straight pop hits yeah no uh, Mania is much more well thought out than I think anyone had ever anticipated and uh, it's just I don't know what went wrong with it. I don't know if uh, the dual track lists were a mistake or if that's just part of the PR with it. I mentioned yesterday that uh, someone in their PR department is either getting a raise or he's fired today. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, I've read a lot of stuff that it was like because they released so many singles and so all those singles are out there streaming on like uh, Apple Music and Spotify that when the album went live, it jumbled it based on how the singles were released or something i don't know if i fully understand it but i mean it's totally possible that because there were just these singles sitting out there and then the rest was filled in with the other tracks that it somehow didn't line up the track listing right but again it's all conjecture we don't really know we just kind of know what we have and uh it's really interesting but quickly if you could give me your thoughts on do you see any parallels between this album, Folly Ado, even if it's not sonically, but just in the way that everything's kind of rolled out and the way people have responded to it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, if if you remember even uh, Folly Ado, or French, um, <laughs> when it was coming out, it was coming out during the election, and they pushed it back several months, too. That's which right. It really took the wind out of the sails for that. And then when it came out, it got that lukewarm reception as well. And, um, you know, there wasn't as much hectic about it as there is for mania but i think this is going to be a slow build that it has some bad reviews initially but there's so many problems with how it was released and i think once it has some uh time to really get its flavor out there the slow burn is going to catch on and i think this is going to be their next classic wow well that uh is certainly high praise um and time will tell uh, like I mentioned, I'm still kind of up on up in the air on it. I really enjoy it. I just don't know how to place it amongst the Fallout Boy album. It's Fallout Boy albums. It's not my favorite uh, by any means, but uh, I do think it's better than you know some of their other work. And I and to be honest, you know, even though I've kind of enjoyed Fallout Boy for the you know mass majority of their existence. I'm not somebody that like just loves the old albums or something. I mean, from under the court trace an album that I could take or leave, for example. So, um, it's going to take some time. I have to listen to it some more, some more to kind of, you know, figure out where to place it. Um, I will say, I want to talk to you about which songs kind of stick out to you now that you've got all 10 tracks. 
Um, I was a fan of, you know, some of the original singles, like Last of the Real Ones, Hold Me Tight or Don't. I love both those songs. But I think what I enjoyed most on this album was the placement of Church and Heaven's Gate, kind of yes. right there in the middle. Those tracks go so well together, and it kind of shifts the album into its second act really well. Um, and I thought those are two really, I mean, they're very different than the singles that they've released so far. It feels like a little bit of classic Fallout Boy in there while still sounding like something new to me. Yeah, no, um, I totally agree with you. I, with a little bit of salt uh, thrown in the air, I want to say Church and Heaven's Gate are the best part of the album. Um, mm. And, I, you know, I might be changing my opinion on that in the coming weeks, but they are such a dramatic change from anything else they put out. But it's still, it's a very classic sound for Fall Out Boy, kind of the same way that uh, I just lost every word i know uh golden golden from yes. infinity on high where it's just it's the quiet part in the album before it just breaks into the next act um it's a lot like that but it's a double act with it and there's church especially is such a uh, layered song there's so much to it and it's just beautifully done and heaven's gate is soft it has a weird uh doo-wop soul vibe to it and it's probably the song that showcases patrick stump's voice to a level that nothing else they ever have uh, has ever shown. Yeah, well, he's certainly something to talk about with this album because, you know, I feel like every time you feel like he's done the best he can do, uh, he gives another fantastic vocal performance. And I think there's an argument to be made. Some of his best vocal performances are found on this album, whether you like the album or not. I mean, yeah. he certainly uh, goes all out on it. Another track I really loved that I haven't seen anybody talking about is Bishop's Knife Trick. It's the closing track. It's actually the closing track on both track list but i think coming down off young and menace with what we're saying is the actual track list is perfect it's a perfect close after that moment yes um and i really i really love that song no it, it's fantastic and it's oddly enough out of uh all of them that's the one i've heard the least so far <laughs> yeah how did you feel about lyrically for the album you made some really interesting points and obviously writing the review you're kind of like digging into it more than i have um it it seems like they're being pretty coy and kind of winking at the camera regarding how they're they know some of their fan base perceives them and what they think and expect of them i think that's kind of interesting especially with young and menace now the way it falls within the album um overall i felt like it wasn't pete's best outing from a lyrical standpoint there were certainly some lines in there that made me cringe a little bit oh yeah um i don't know i mean it's fine but it didn't like blow me away or anything no it uh it's not his best work it's very pop song lyrics it doesn't have the kind of deep dive where if you really look into it you can find a story behind the songs or at least it, there wasn't for me um i i know it, it there it's swarming with pop culture references it's not really my thing to look for those but if you look at other reviews you'll see them just listed out in order of every time you see it but um yeah that's actually one of the things the new track list it made me appreciate young and menace for what it is because it's so different it's defying the listener to actually enjoy it and the lyrics in it are actually kind of an acknowledgement that they're not writing the stuff that their older fans want and it uh that's kind of the thesis for me it's making you want to enjoy it and yeah. being near the end put that song that i've been ripping on for a year in an entirely new light yeah for sure 
You know, something that's inter- interesting to me, like, in terms of the side of the fan base that wants to complain. Like, one thing I've never understood about that is that, you know, since Fallout Boys come back, like, you kind of know what you're getting at this point. They're not going to write, take this to your grave again. They're not going to write from under the cork tree. They're not going to do anything close to that. They're going to do something new. Uh, if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But this idea that there's still people out there that are angry at Fallout Boy about this, that's something I just cannot, for the life of me, wrap my head around. Like, I, what are you expecting at this point? You know what I mean? Like, I, I just yeah, I, uh, I can see being a little upset when Save Rock and Roll came out because um, no one knew what was coming out. But then once that was out there, and especially once you started getting the singles for uh, American Beauty, American Psycho, it, you know what's coming. And right. but the nice thing with Mania or about Mania is that there's less experimentation as there was in the last two albums. Like it seems like they needed those two albums to really just throw ideas out there, see what worked and, you know, just uh, punching at the pop sound, trying to find different ways to play with it. And now that they've done that for two albums, Mania has just sharpened it to a razor's edge. Yeah. Well, let's talk about where the album falls for you within the band's discography now. And maybe I didn't mention we were going to talk about this. So maybe you're not even ready to place it. I'll say this, I'm still digesting the album, who knows. I made sort of a hot take in the moment tweet on Friday afternoon after I'd listened to the album a few times uh, in which I re-ranked the Fall Out Boy album, so I'm going to read those off real quick and you can kind of tell me your thoughts or tell me if you've thought more about this. And of course, again, this was like after a couple of listens to the album I'm and it's tongue-in-cheek, so this could totally change. But number one for me is still Infinity on High. It's going to be hard for something to knock that off. Uh, two, I've got American Beauty, American Psycho. Three is Folly Ado. Four, I put Mania. It's kind of right in the middle because I think that's where I'm at on it right now. Uh, five, From Under the Court Tree. Six, Take This to Your Grave. Seven, Save Rock and Roll. Um, are you at a place where you feel like you could talk about where you would personally place Mania? Honestly, I haven't thought about it too much. Um, I, It's really hard for me not to put From Under the Court Tree and Infinity and High as my two favorite with Infinity and High obviously being their best. Uh, but I honestly, I might put Mania at number three right now. Okay. Now, I remember, so I don't like Save Rock and Roll, um, obviously. But I, <laughs> if I remember right, it's one of your favorite Fall Out Boy albums, correct? Yeah, I uh, love that album. And I spent a lot of time defending it. Um, a, a lot of time defending it. But the more that it's been out and the more they've put out uh, more albums and kind of digested their sound a bit more, it's really kind of fallen towards the back end for me a bit. Interesting. So so you do enjoy Mate. Is Mania your favorite of the second act Fallout Boy albums? Yes. Okay. That's interesting. And and you enjoy Save Rock and Roll more than American Beauty, American Psycho? Or has that changed? Honestly, I can't tell you for sure at the moment. I want to say I still like it better than American Beauty, um, only because as it's kind of gone by, it's been a while since I've listened to both albums all the way through. It's gotten to the point where I've uh, just started kind of picking the songs I like off of each one more than I'm digesting the entire thing. Yeah. Well, where does Fallout? Bo- where do we take Fallout Boy from here? So, I mean, uh, it's it's crazy for me to think because I I remember like yesterday when. 
uh, Fall Out Boy returned from their hiatus. It was kind of a surprise that hit suddenly and they dropped the single and there's a new album coming back and we were losing our minds. And it just felt like, wow, you know, another Fall Out Boy album. I mean, now a lot of time has passed. This is the third album since they reunited, Kyle. And that blows my mind because it just doesn't make sense to me that that much time has passed. But it has. Uh, we've got a full second act from this band, um, which is, I think, more than many of us ever thought that we would get, especially uh, during the period of the hiatus. So, Well, not only that, they've been together longer after the hiatus than they were before, haven't they, or just about the same amount? That's a good question. I need to look that up. I, I mean, I think they were... I, I mean, they're going to approach a, a it. I, man for a little bit, but I mean, like once uh, their name got out there. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about that. Let's say that this isn't the last Fallout Boy album. I mean, they've kind of positioned themselves where they can do what they want from this point, right? I mean, they they could keep putting out albums. They could keep pushing themselves. I'm really interested to see what happens, though, because I feel like they're also at a point where they could call it a day, and they've got a really solid back catalog. They've put out a ton of great music. They've stayed in the mainstream pop culture conversation for over a decade now. I mean, how do you look at their career at this point, and what do you expect will happen next? Um, honestly, I have no idea where they go from here. The one thing I know for sure is there's no reason for the band to end. They're at the top of their game. They put out three albums of just anything they've wanted to do and shown that they can be extremely successful doing it. Uh, it, you know, following this, anything they write, it's going to be exactly what they need to, uh, stay at the top of their game. And, um... You know, half their fans still want the pop punk of the early days. The other half love what they're doing now. And, you know, there's no reason to really stop doing that. It's really working. Um, the only other thing I'd throw out there is they see enough of the reviews of Mania that they decide to write a pop punk album again. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just to get some good graces. <laughs> How crazy would that be, right? I, it's not going to happen, but. Oh, know. no, not at all. <laughs> Well, uh, have you seen the, uh, they also, of course, released the album and announced a tour. And the tour is crazy, Kyle. <laughs> like some of the people, here's the people that are going to be featured on various dates of this tour. Rise Against, Machine Gun Kelly, Gym Class Heroes, which I really caught me off guard. Yeah, I didn't see that one coming. Every Time I Die, Against the Current, State Champs. I mean, th this tour is potentially loaded and of course all these bands aren't going to be on every tour date but i mean the fact that they can pull together a tour like this at this point is just astounding and when you consider how many different genres are represented within those acts i mean it's crazy right i mean can you could you have ever pictured a band like rise against touring with fallout boy or every time i die i mean it's so i it's so surprising and kind of exciting yeah, I honestly, I never would have paired those together, but now that it's the case, I totally see it. And it's just that in the second part of their career, you know, they have so many influences and genres um, spliced throughout these last three albums. It's impossible not to have them just fit anywhere in the spectrum. Yeah, it's crazy. So are you going to go to the Chicago date? Oh, yeah, it's uh, Wrigley Field is directly behind me. <laughs> oh, they're playing at Wrigley. Wow. Okay. They are. I'm going to skip there, as a matter of fact. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this, but when uh, Young and Menace was dropped, I remember you specifically talking about how you could never go to this, go see a Fallout Boy show and take it seriously if they were going to be playing that song. And now 
uh, you're going to be skipping your way into the friendly confines of Wrigley Field for a Fallout Boy show. <laughs> Won't even be out of breath by the time I get there. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this up, and I'm going to put you on the spot here. So we've got all these people that have written their various reviews that they didn't like it. There's all the people on the message boards that are ticked off. Everybody out there listening is like, you know what, Kyle, this mania sucks. I don't like it. If you have one chance to defend it, one chance to give somebody, like change somebody's opinion or at least make them revisit the album, what would you tell them? Listen to it in the new order. That's all it takes. That's all it took for me. It's a completely different beast. It was like listening to two completely different albums. All right. You heard it here first, maybe. I don't know. Is anybody else talking about it like this? We don't know. But this podcast is going to be out on Monday, and Kyle's review for Mania is live at our website. Go to itsalldead.com right now. Read his review. He did a really fantastic job with it, as he always does. Um, and then remember, on Friday, we've got another podcast coming your way. You're going to find out who won the uh, 2017 hip-hop title belt, cor- uh, according to myself and Brock Benefield. So uh, take that for what you will. But it was a really fun conversation. And, of course, we've got a lot of uh, great content coming to It's All Dead in 2018. So that's going to do it for now. Kyle, thank you for coming on to talk about Fallout Boy. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's going to do it for tonight. Uh Go to itsalldead.com, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, That's it for now, and we'll catch you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the It's All Dead podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Then visit us at itsalldead.com for the latest music news, reviews, and much more.